This is episode number 334, Learning How to Love Yourself, with Amy Edwards. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Outs Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming three-day experience on October 7th called Survive to Thrive, Face Your Fears. What this is, is a three-day event where you will get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world, as well as ways to identify your fears and ways you can transform them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details about this particular experience, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details as well as ways that you can be a part of this particular experience. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. And I'm curious, maybe this is the best way that you and I can even start off this conversation is, was there ever a time in your life where you felt invisible? Um, yeah, that's a super interesting question. And it really got me thinking. So thank you. First of all, thank you for having of me. And thank you for asking. And, I, you know, it's interesting. You're wondering about the relationship between curiosity and invisibility, but you are curious about yeah. it. So obviously, you know, it's like you're curious about the curiousness of, of it. And, um, and so that's really interesting. And I think anytime we get curious about something, that's a true advantage. And I like that you chose, you know, this phrase of choosing to be in, in, invisible. And because it is a choice a lot of times, it is a choice not to use our voice. It is a choice not to believe in ourselves, right? Not to believe in our own confidence and not to find those things because a lot of times we can put ourselves in a victim role or put ourselves in so many different roles where we are giving our power away. And and that's really hard. I, I did mention to you in 2018 when I lost my voice and it, it did feel out of my control. And it was very frustrating for me because my voice is my life. I'm a radio personality. I've done a lot of singing and I've been an independent music artist and a podcaster, which is my main thing in life and using my voice to help others find theirs. And so losing my voice in the midst of a really tough divorce, it was symbolic of feeling invisible. It was symbolic of so many other things. And 
I guess it was more than symbolic. It was a symptom of how I was feeling, which was unheard. And those, when you're unheard, you're feeling invisible, essentially. You know, your needs aren't met. You aren't getting your message across. And I was feeling like how I felt didn't matter. And I was feeling, I guess, trampled on a little, and which I think you can probably identify with and probably a lot of your listeners too. And it's funny because it's behind me now and I haven't thought about it in a while. So I was really glad to revisit it maybe from a different angle about invisibility. So thank you for that. Um, I was going through the divorce and one day I, it was right around this time in 2018, it was in July. And I had gotten a new radio job and I was working on my podcast too. So, and I do freelance voice work as well. And so I woke up and I felt like I had a cold or something. It was before COVID and I just felt sick. And I was like, I guess I have a cold. And so I didn't feel that great. And as you know, the week went on, I started to lose my voice and really couldn't talk at all. And I was like, that is so weird. And I just felt my head felt stuffy. I didn't feel good. And I thought it would clear up and it didn't. So I went to a doctor and I got antibiotics and whatever else. And it was a sinus infection. And it went on and on and on for months and months. And I grew more and more frustrated because right when my voice would start to come back, it would take another turn and I would lose my voice again. And at this same time, the divorce got worse. Um, I, I don't want to say too much about it, but I ended up having to get a restraining order. And I finally stepped up and said, I'm doing something about this. Like, I can't take it anymore. Like the text messages and just the way I was being treated. And um, I, I had thought those things were normal and okay. And they were not normal and okay. And so I had to find my own voice and my own strength. And the year progressed and I did, I started to see changes in that divorce as I stood up for myself and that felt empowering, but I still wasn't getting well. And I was still losing my voice over and over. And I just under started to understand as I got curious about it, that there were a lot of other places that I wasn't speaking up or speaking my truth in so many ways, in so many areas of my life. And so I had to reevaluate, which I think you can probably resonate with because I know your story very well. And, you know, it's like two parts, like one, you can use your voice and feel more empowered, but two, is anybody listening? And if you feel like yeah. no one's listening, that's a, that's a frustration in itself. And so, but we have to listen to ourselves first. Maybe that's, that's the most important part. We have to listen to ourselves and get really honest with ourselves first. And those were big steps for me to take. And I ended up having to have surgery Oh, wow. um, for, yeah, for what was going on with me. And I was like, fine. At that point, I didn't care whatever's going to be bring my voice back. But it was the personal work that I was doing at the same time that really coincided with 
my voice from a way more deep space, my truth. And my truth was really accepting who I was and getting over the anger and despair I had felt around this marriage and this, this relationship that was no more and how I felt about possibly letting my daughter down because she was eight at the time. And so there was a lot interspersed within that. And thinking of it as feeling invisible is so interesting because I did feel invisible at that time. I felt, I felt just really out of myself. And I think when we are invisible to ourselves, there's no way we can be visible to others. So if we're not truly seeing ourselves and making an effort to, to get in touch with our own authentic nature, then, and, and then voice that, then we're never going to be truly seen by others. Do you still yeah. feel elements of what you just described as far as invisible when it comes to the divorce? Because the divorce doesn't have the most positive connotation, I guess you could say, that comes with it. And, yeah. you know, something that I've learned, especially at this point in my life, and it's that whenever it comes to even dating or meeting other people, the sign of divorce or having a child from a previous relationship, like all those things, you know, just it, it sometimes creates a series of assumptions that may not always be true. And I'm curious, yeah. like in your case, like did you experience that? And if so, how did you go through it? Yeah, I kind of beat myself up about it too, because this is this was my second divorce. And so I was oh, okay. particularly unhappy about it because I didn't want to get divorced ever again. The first one was so hard. It's not a fun experience by any stretch. I don't recommend it. But um, but you know what? It happens. I do recommend it if you're unhappy and if you really can't make it work. So you know, they were changes I needed to make. It's just really tough to go through. But yeah, there's a lot of stigma attached and I have a child from each marriage. So as I went into dating again, I had to really recalibrate how I saw myself and do the work within myself. And that's what it all just keeps coming back to for me. And I think for anyone listening, it really does come back to finding yourself and your own authenticity and truly loving yourself because I hadn't done the work to truly love myself. And so many times we look outside ourselves for that love and we have to come to ourselves. And I was never even taught that. I was never taught to look in the mirror and say, I love you. And that's a weirdly vulnerable thing. And so I still After, struggle doing that. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And it's, and you force yourself and it feels so strange too. Cause if you're like, if anyone saw me, oh my gosh. And you know, there's a, a book I, we might've talked about it in the podcast that we did for Justin overcome with Justin Wren, but it's called love yourself. Like your life depends on it by Kamal Ravikant. And it's an excellent book. It's very simple and easy to read. And he talks about a five minute daily practice of looking in the mirror and saying, I love you to yourself and really looking into your eyes. And so many people have never done that, including myself up to probably 
probably 2019. And it brought me back to myself in some ways that I really needed. So meaning that self-love where it all starts. And it's such a cliche because we hear it all the time, but it is absolutely true. And for me, it's a practice. It's not something that I can just do once and it's done and it would be nice, but instead it's something I do consciously every single day. I have a mirror downstairs and I'll light some Palo Santo and I'll look at myself and say, I love you, Amy. I love myself. Life loves me. Those are three phrases that I've had to train myself to say when I go to bed at night and when I wake up in the morning and those like theta brain waves or wherever you are in between dream and sleep, we can retrain our neural pathways, which has been really important to me through plant medicines and, and through other medicines, like helping reset my um, ruminations. I suffer from ruminating thoughts. And so we can just get stuck in these neural pathways that we have to reset. And so now when I fall asleep and I catch myself maybe going over something in my head or saying something negative to myself, I'll snap out of it and tell myself, I love you. I love myself. Life loves me. Just really simple over and over and over. And I think at that time that we're talking about 2018 to 19, I started a plant medicine journey that was fairly intense and just simply because it came my way. And I thought, okay, I'm in a space right now where I'm feeling unseen, unheard. I'm struggling to love myself. Just, I, I just wasn't in the greatest headspace. Divorce is a dark time, or at least, I'm sorry, it has been for me. And, and anytime you're going through something that feels dark, you know, Sometimes things come your way and they can be scary, but you say, yes, maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's just as simple as being invited to a breath work, you know, class and getting curious about different ways that we can say yes and show up for what life is presenting to us is a really beautiful way to get curious, you know, and really accept what you're being shown in that moment and say, okay, because you've said, you've said yes to a lot of yeah. things in your life, mm. you know, that presented it. Do you find that when I, I'm really curious, when you talk about this concept of loving yourself, like in repeating it so many times, does after a while, the word lose its meaning? Or does it take a different shape? Like, because I've noticed that with with in my life, whenever I would repeat something over and over again, it becomes so habitual that I think I actually start to unappreciate the word or the concept itself. I'm wondering in your case, because it seems like you, you say it so often, what does that even feel like? Is it just like any other word or is there something more to it? And how do you even know it's working or what's working? <laughs> Those are good questions. Yes. And I think that's why in that book, he recommends the practice of looking at yourself in the mirror and really seeing yourself while you're saying it mm -hmm. rather than just throwing it away. And I think that a lot of people what does say that, that mean? about, how do you understand that? What does that mean to really see yourself? If you're staring in your eyes, mm -hmm. like you would someone you love and telling them, I love you and doing that for yourself, it's powerful. If anyone hasn't done it, try it, set a timer on your phone for five minutes. 
I know it's a long time, mm. but, <laughs> but set a timer and sit there and do it. And it does not lose its meaning. In fact, you, you probably might start to cry and shed a few tears. And that's pretty amazing to show up for yourself that way. Mm -hmm. When you show up for yourself that way, you're able to show up for others that way. Because what we want in the world, we have to do and give ourselves first. So if you want love in the world, are you giving so it to yourself? Are you showing up for yourself? But I do understand what you're saying about it losing its meaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you repeat something, the word starts to sound like if you just repeat any word overcoming, yeah. you know, like it just starts <laughs> to sound weird after a while. I get that. But I, I don't think that this does that, at least not in my experience. Granted, sometimes I can get on autopilot and just repeat it. But what a great thing to get on autopilot with and repeat to yourself, mm -hmm. because then you can catch yourself and appreciate it. You can go, what am I saying? Oh, I love myself. I do love myself. Have I given mm -hmm. myself a hug today? I do. And I believe it starts to seep into you in ways that you can't even imagine, because when it does maybe seem unappreciated that's okay because it can be in your subconscious in a way that you don't even register mm. which is very very good and have you done a lot of self-love work like what's yours look like I haven't done anything that you just described I've I've heard it many people I've heard it from many people that do this type of work when they wake up or the first thing or the last thing they do before they go to sleep I haven't done anything like that. What I've done that has worked for me is journal. I have, yeah. um, I guess you could say not necessarily easier time, but I feel more comfortable with putting those thoughts on paper, like acknowledging the things that I love about myself or acknowledging the things that took me a long time to love about myself and not beating mm -hmm. myself up. I've, as long as I can remember, I've always had this perspective about who I am and that's I've always had a high standard, always had a high standard for myself. And part of it, kind of the beauty and the curse is that the beautiful part is that it always forces you to grow and you're, you're kind of able to become the person that you want to become. The curse of that is that uh, whenever something doesn't work out, you are the first person to blame. And that's- So are you making your love for yourself conditional? Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I, that's how I looked at it uh, for many, many years until I was able to kind of accept just the full cycle of it all. The times where it didn't work out, the times when it did, and just kind of just started to look at the journey as that, hey, this was all part of the process. You know, maybe it wasn't that's meant good. to work out to begin with. I mean, right. at the end of the day, it was just an mm -hmm. idea, just a concept that I had dreamed of or came across in a conversation. And so why beat myself up over something that maybe wasn't meant to be tangible. So I think that's the power and going back to how you even framed the conversation at the beginning is I believe there is a choice. I believe there is a choice that I think probably most of us, if not all of us can make, and that's how we view ourselves at any given time. Yeah. And it and, makes or breaks your attitude moving forward. It really does. And, you know, there's just this element of giving yourself a lot of grace, like when you are holding yourself to a standard, which mm -hmm. I, I've done that 
over and over in my life and beat myself up. And so that was the thing that I thought, you know, I don't think this is really working for me because it doesn't make me feel good. And it's, it's, it's not making me happy Mm. in, in the moment. And so I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I thought, how about I treat myself the way I would someone that I really love Mm. and the people that I really love, I'm not holding them to some really tough standard. I'm not beating them up. Are mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. No, I'm Are not. you? No. No. And so, and yet we'll do it to ourselves. So loving ourselves, we're not really loving ourselves in those moments. Yeah. We think we are because we're like, no, I'm really tough loving myself. I'm holding myself to standard, but you're really not. And mm-hmm. so I thought, let's approach it from a different angle. And if I'm going to look in the mirror and tell myself, I love you, I'm going to do it gently and I'm going to really mean it. And I'm going to tell myself the things that um, make me feel good, which is that I am strong, that the best is yet to come, that, and, and there's another voice in your head that's like, oh God, come on, you know, that wants to be the realist, that wants to bring you into some sort of realistic thing. But being able to really treat yourself like you would a best friend is such true love and it is an unconditional love not like i'll i'll love you when i lose this weight or i'll love you when you accomplish x or when you get this number of downloads or when you make this amount of money yeah you know or find a relationship no because that because when it comes down to it, that's not who you are. The yeah. you is not all these other things. The you is just you. Mm-hmm. And so loving that, truly loving that is where it's at. And d- I am saying this four years ago, I did not have this. Two mm-hmm. years ago, I barely did. I started during the pandemic, really. And I thought I didn't, I didn't have a significant other. I didn't have like somebody in my life. I have my kids. And I just thought, what if this is it? Like, what, what if I'm meant to just be with myself and that I need to learn to make myself happy and be happy just with me. So I treated myself well. I said nice things to myself. I truly loved myself. I fostered a really good sexual relationship with myself, which is weird. I know, but I did. And, uh, and you know, I just did all the things that you would do with a partner I just did for myself and that meant love too. And that meant talking nice and that meant being kind. And that meant, you know, showing up for myself. And it is, it's not that easy because we're in these old patterns of Mm. bullshit. I don't know if I can say that, sorry. Of just, (laughs) just stuff, you know, of like, of things we've seen from our parents or from parental type figures or authority figures in your case, we're, we're seeing all these other patterns of ways to be and, and people who aren't being that way that with themselves. So it feels really foreign and really weird. Mm -hmm. And, and so you have to just take that leap because one of the things you said just then was like journal, you feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a safer space. That feels comfortable sitting in front of a mirror and looking at yourself and really telling yourself all these things and, and that you're doing great and that I love you and you are doing the best you can. And in all those instances you were too. And I understand that. And I love you. And I'm going to continue to show up for you. Like 
that feels vulnerable and weird, but, um, and, and totally outside the norm. It's not anything you're taught. I mean, can you imagine in the orphanage if they had taught you guys that? (laughs) I I could only imagine. I could only imagine how how much. What would the place have been like? It might have been this, it might've been amazing if everybody had done a Mm. five minute self-love practice every day without Mm -hmm. fail, you know, like what, how could the world change? So anyway, that has been a game changer for me. Why do you think we're not taught that? Because I've been curious about this for a number of years. And, and I think the first time I got curious about it was I was when I came across the phrase that you have to help other people before you help yourself. Mm-hmm. I started to do that. I put it into practice and then I just kept hitting a wall. I was helping other people when really I needed to help myself because I was trying to help them with things that I didn't have in my toolkit. And I'm curious with, with the yeah. concept of self-love, why is it like that? Why does it I know. And you know, the, the flip the, side like, of- We have to love others before we love ourselves. And when you love yourself and do everything that you just described, it's like the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. It's weird. We are, we are so often taught that, especially women, um, speaking, speaking as a mom and a woman, you know, a lot of times we're taught to, uh, care for other people first, but you know, the flip side of that is the phrase, put your own oxygen mask on first, which we're taught like in the airplane, put your own oxygen mask on first, which is powerful to return to because Yes, you know, if you're if you're not filling your own cup, you are unable to fill anyone else's. You know, it's selfish versus self-full. And it's allowing yourself to be so full that you spill over. But your question, why are we not taught that? I just think that our society has successfully branded taking care of yourself all through the years as a negative thing. And why? I don't know. I can't, maybe the patriarchy. (laughs) Can I blame the patriarchy? I don't know. I don't know exactly. Um, But I bet, I bet there's some really good theories on that. And so there has been a resurgence in the last few years, or at least maybe that's what I'm paying attention to. So that's what I noticed, but of taking care of yourself and self-love and, and it is challenging to do, but when you do it for yourself, you are modeling that to other people as well, which is actually ironically, paradoxically doing something for them. You know, I am modeling to my children that yourself is important, you know, and it's not that I'm not taking care of them, but when I say, I'm going to meditate. So, you know, I'm out of pocket for 30 minutes or whatever it is. They understand that I'm taking that time for myself and they see that it's okay. And other people see that it's okay. When you say no to something because you're taking care of yourself and you're honest about it, you don't just say like, oh, I can't because I've got other plans. You know, you say, no, I'm going to honor myself tonight. I really need to get sleep and take care of you know, my home and myself and whatever it is, you're prioritizing yourself. And that is showing other people that it's okay. And, and you're showing yourself, you're creating a trust in yourself where you know that you can count on yourself to honor your needs in those moments. And when you start to create that within yourself, 
again, it starts to come, you, you start to attract that. It starts to reflect outward. Yeah. Speaking of taking care of yourself, I'm curious when you first mentioned, I think you said when you were going through the second divorce, having that thought of, am I going to be on my own for whatever the duration of your life? Was that a scary reality to accept? Yes, it was, but and what's I different guess... now? What and and I don't want to by any means reveal you know who you're with like that. That's your choice. Oh, you can everything. talk about anything. <laughs> you can talk about anything with me. It's, but I'm it's curious, all, like it's all good. even today, and kind of reflecting back on the thought that you had prior, when you might have been scared of that of that possibility, and today being with Justin, if he were to no longer be in your life, would you be okay with that? Oh, yes, I would. And that was something I had to come back to last fall because he went to rehab last fall and had fallen back into addiction. And I knew he was an addict when we got together, which is a whole other thing. Yeah. You know, I had to say, why am I choosing addicts and why, you know, um, but that's another conversation. Mm. What you're talking (laughs) about, though, is, is could I be okay with that? And I had to really reconnect with that and say, yes, I love myself so much that I really only want to be with somebody that's going to really love themselves too and show up for themselves and show up in a relationship. I don't, I don't want to be in an unhappy relationship. It's not worth it. When I have shown myself that I can be happy with myself. Yes, at first it is scary. And you're kind of like, you know, you desire that connection with another person. But during the pandemic, really, you know, we were all pretty isolated. And so I thought this is a great time for me to truly connect with myself and truly love myself and just say, hey, what if what if life presented that and you just were on a desert island and only had yourself? Can you really, really love yourself and really find peace and happiness just right here? Like if you're sitting in a room alone, are you longing for something else, something external? Or can you truly like just come home right here and really love this? And last year in a relationship, I did start to lose that. And when he went to rehab, I realized that it was a great time for me to reconnect and come back to that and recenter myself and know that I'm okay right here with my connection with a higher power, with my connection with like the universe, source, divine God, whatever anybody wants to call it. I am okay right here. I don't even have to trust him. I don't have to be in this space of like, oh my God, can I trust him? Mm -mm. I just was like, no, you know what? I've got myself. I'm going to be shown anything that I need to see always. I can love myself and feel secure in this moment. And don't get me wrong. It's a practice. It's not something that you just flip a switch. Right, right. It's something I consciously stay in tune with every day. So I have habits and practices that get easier over time. And so it's, it's quicker that I fall back into this space. But 
you can't, if you don't do the practice, which I, I'm going to re reference that book again, since we're on the subject, he talks about, he talks about getting so getting in such a good space that he quit doing it. And then things, the wheels came off, right? Like his life just sort of took these turns and he became depressed again. And he thought, how did this happen? But he had to come back to these practices. So it's very simple. It's just simple practices. And in doing those, you realize that you can give yourself unconditional love. You don't have to look at it like, well, I need to fix this. And then, and then I can do it. Now, instead, you just find peace in this moment. And it's not saying I don't want to get better. I don't want to have goals. I don't want to achieve certain things. I do. I'm excited to know that I'm getting better all the time and that that things are lining up for me all the time and the best is yet to come. I'm about to turn 50. And so a lot of times you can think, or people I would think at this age could are say, really? oh my, yeah, next no month. No way. Yeah. When yeah. I first met you, I yeah. could have swore you were mid thirties. This was the right response. Thank you. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, you know, my partner is 15 years younger than me. And so, um, so, you know, a lot of times people can think, um, oh, my best days are behind me or whatever. And, and no, I, I reject that across the board. I'm, I refuse to believe that. And if we can find that peace within ourselves and just believe that the best is yet to come. We are going to keep changing the world. We are going to keep helping others. We are going to get better at loving ourselves and we are going to do these practices. And every day is not perfect for me around that, but I do believe that we can create those habits within ourselves of looking in the mirror, of telling yourself, I love you, of getting things embedded in our subconscious, of speaking love to ourselves unconditionally and hearing it and creating that self-trust that's so crucial. Because if we don't trust ourselves, if we don't keep our promises to ourselves, if we don't love ourselves, it, you, you cannot give it to others. Yeah. You just can't. Mm -hmm. You can't give something what you don't have. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Do you experience you don't, do you experience jealousy? That's a great question. Um, yes, I do because I'm a human and it's a human emotion. And so we have all of them, right? And you're gonna feel them all sometimes. But it's important to me to say, oh, I feel I feel something like jealousy. So what's underneath that? And I heard Brene Brown not too long ago talk about resentment and she was saying, often we think what's underneath resentment is anger, but she said, it's actually envy. It's actually jealousy because we're wishing we had whatever that was. Yeah. And so it can present in different ways. And when I do feel jealous, just, or just the other day, let's take an example. Justin, my partner went to this fabulous party and there were all these really cool people doing all these interesting things and he comes and he tells me all about it and because uh, I couldn't go and so I I'm like Ugh. and there was a woman there that immediately like he was telling me about her and all she's doing and <laughs> he was like she listens to our podcast and everything and I, I just and and so I think he shared something of hers online or something and I 
then I saw her and she was really pretty. And so I was jealous, like she's younger, she's prettier and all these things. And then I was like, where is this coming from? Like, what, what is this? And we can just have these twinges. It's, it's normal. And like being able to even step out of myself and zoom out a little bit and give myself grace in that moment to know that like, it's okay. Like you're going to have these times come up. We're not striving for some sort of non-human experience, right? Yeah. Like yeah. accepting that we are whole and we have all the emotion and that's okay is part of an unconditional love of yourself. And so I was able to get a handle on it, understand that it was coming from some insecurity that is something I struggle with and, and that that's okay. And my partner actually approaching it from a place of understanding and hearing me and me able to communicate it. And then, and then I actually met her and she was so nice and I loved her. Everything was fine. And, and I thought, oh gosh, my mind can really run away with me. It's our ego. It's our mind. It's not our soul. And so, so I, I think that I've gotten really, um, I don't know, I guess more understanding that our human experience is our human experience. And we have all these things going on and all these emotions that can present in any given moment. And being able to have the awareness that that's okay, that that is part of it is really a lovely thing. It can give yeah. you compassion for others and compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. which is um, really nice to have. Yeah. And a perspective mm -hmm. that I, the reason why yeah. I ask that is because, you know, I've definitely felt that many times uh, throughout my own life. Mm -hmm. And I think what I begin to realize is a lot, a lot of it actually had to do with the narrative that I told myself. And that's starting from kind of this place of ownership and even the dog, right? The dog that I'm responsible for. Something I'm having to retrain myself is that he's really not my dog. But because I'm continuous saying like my dog, I, you know, I, here's the dog that I got. And really it's just like, here's another, here's another being that I'm just happy to yeah. take care of. And relationships, I think is the same exact way, right? Like here's my partner, here's my person. When the reality of the matter is like, once I started to really put that at the forefront and ask myself, like, what about that person is truly mine? Nothing. They're their own yeah. being they're choosing to be in that relationship with me. So it's like, it was, it was interesting. It was really interesting to explore like why I felt jealous in certain moments. And I think what you described as far as wanting to experience something that I may not have been able to experience and then having that be the driving force behind that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Cause it really yeah. wasn't anger. Yeah. It's really not. It's really not. And jealousy can, mask a lot of different things i think i think sometimes it's a it's a really good indicator of what i truly desire so can you use it to say okay what can i work toward in my own life you know to be happy for what this person has but also understand that that's indicating to me something that i truly desire so how can i take some action on on that like whether it's you know i'm jealous of someone's computer or whether I'm jealous of their millions of downloads or something like that, you know? So 
you, you know, how can you, and, and I think there's a shift in there too, that's fundamentally got to be made where you're not dwelling on, you know, their success and that feeling of resentfulness or jealousy. And so you've really, really got to truly find a way to be happy for them. And for me, one of the ways of doing it is I tell myself life is showing me what's possible. And so when I see something that I might feel jealous of, maybe that person has a great relationship. Maybe, maybe you see something outside yourself, whatever it may be. <clears throat> they have a great family. They have a great, whatever. I, I simply try to return to life is showing me what's possible. I, I, I wanted that. And life is saying, here it is. It's possible. Do you see this? Look, it's possible. And you go, okay, life's just showing me that it's possible. So it is possible for me. So I'm going to be happy to see that. Yes, you go. Yes, that is so badass. Awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy to see that and happy for that person and happy that I'm being shown <clears throat> that that is something attainable. And that's what I'm working toward. And life is going to keep getting better all the time. Mm. <laughs> A friend of mine once told me, he said, uh, the universe always says yes. And I think I like that what you just described, like the universe doesn't mm -hmm. judge, says yes. And it just presents you, I think, all these opportunities, all these paths to explore and you get to choose which path you want to go. It on. does. It does. And you can choose by your voice all the time. We're making choices all the time. So what are you telling yourself or what are you saying? And those are great thing, little spaces to tune into and watch because are even even when you see someone something on social media that's like I don't chase I attract okay right there you're saying the word chase and like just get that out of there just say I attract I magnetize I you know like just little bitty things in what you're saying the universe will say yes to so do you have the word like I'm I, I'm getting out of debt no, because the universe is here saying yes, like debt. Oh, debt. Okay. You know, I'm like, no, I was like, we don't want that. So you just say, I am in surplus. Money is flowing to me. Abundance is flowing to me. Like find those spaces where you're using words that you really don't want to use and convert them into something that the universe can say unequivocally yes to plant those seeds, because that's what we're doing. We're planting these seeds and and you just keep watering them and moving forward and planting more seeds. And then as time goes by, you really truly start to see these things bloom and grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speaking of connection, where can people connect with you? Do you have anything that's coming up, anything in the works that people can be a part of? Nice segue. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, Connecting I do. to yourself, you know, the only thing we can yeah. do is for people to connect to you. <laughs> That's right. And I want to say thank you so much for just having me on, on to talk with you today. I truly enjoyed it. First of all, I would encourage everyone to go hear your podcast on um, Overcome with Justin Wren, my partner, and I produced the show. So I was lucky enough to sit there and talk with you as well. And so powerful is so inspiring and i'm so happy that you're using your voice the way that you are and to have met you and all that you're building in the world and so yes i have my own podcast it's called the amy edwards show and that's 
probably the best place to find me. It's on YouTube, on Spotify and everywhere. There's now video of it on Spotify, which is really cool. And we've converted to Anchor. And um, otherwise people can find me on Instagram at Real Amy Edwards or my website, amyedwards.com, which I'm just building. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but I'm building a new website and I'm very excited to offer free voice meditation. I have other free meditations that you can download that will just help you connect with that self-trust with your own voice and foster your own connection and hopefully continue to build and strengthen your own voice, whatever it is you want to do, whether it's uh, even just connecting with your own family or if it's something bigger like building your own podcast. And so I'm excited to offer those and I'm building a course about confidence in your own voice and how to connect with that. So I'm excited. So you can get on the wait list for that as well. That's awesome. What is a voice meditation? How would you describe that? Um, Just, I would describe it as a meditation that just really hones in on maybe your throat chakra, maybe the balance between your heart and your head coming together, speaking your truth, getting in touch with your own authenticity. So I say a lot of things like that on a meditation about voice. Uh, Amy, thank you for this. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for sitting in on our conversation with Justin and sharing everything yes. that you did there. It was it was an experience, one that I hope yes. to forget for some time. Me too. I, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me today. It was wonderful. And you made me think about things in a different way, which is very cool. So I'm super grateful for that. So thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of our latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.